We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? It's been a week and a half. Kel Dansby here. Old man Andreas was in London. I was sick, so we didn't have a normal show last week. But instead of waiting all the way until Friday to give you some new fire, um, I decided that it'd be cool to take my off day this week and do a little special mini episode for you guys. Nothing big, nothing crazy. Well, it might be a little crazy because it's hot takes time. It's been a while since I just thrown hot takes out there. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some goddamn hell moments. I'm sure Andres is going to lose his mind when he hears this because you know what? I didn't even tell him. 
and I'm sure we're going to discuss some of this on Friday um, and during that show, but he'll be back. Plenty of stuff to cover. He's going to tell us all about his trip to London for the Anthony Joshua fight. We got to cover even the last WWE pay-per-view uh, UFC card. There was just so much to talk about that we've missed in the past two weeks, so we're going to cover all of that. We have to talk about the Conor McGregor press conference. It's going to be a busy, busy show on Friday. So today, I felt like just getting some hot takes off of my chest, and most of these are kind of recent, right? So stuff that are in the news cycle now, stuff we don't necessarily have a ton of time to talk about on our normal shows because we got to delve into combat sports. Uh, my hot takes are going to be everywhere from combat sports to music to current events, to TV shows. So hopefully you guys just vibe out with me. Um, let me know where I'm right, where I'm wrong. A lot of these hot takes might not be that hot. Maybe they make a lot of sense. A lot of them, you're going to be looking at me sideways. But that's the fun of this. So let's get let's get into it. Where do I want to start, though? Um, man, while I was sick and bundled up with this flu that I had over the weekend, I still had to go into work at the news station. But when I was in the crib, I was just laid out hoodie on, Vicks on, because I'm Puerto Rican, of course, Vicks cures everything, under the covers, all of this, and one thing I took the time out to do is watch this week's episode of Insecure. If you guys don't know, I watch Ratchet Television with my fiance, and we watch Insecure, religious, every week. So, it's one of the things we do, and it's like one of our fun little times after we're both off work. This week's episode of Insecure, though, really hit me in the heart. Because there's so many good messages this week. Yes, good messages. And the episode revolved around two things. It was Issa and Nathan's relationship. And then Lawrence trying to get his groove back, find God, but actually just finds more girls. So I'm not going to talk about that aspect of things. Even though I heard, shout out to AJ in our group chat, that... You know, going to church might be a nice place to just uh, randomly scoop girls. So, you know, AJ, he's been on his single man stuff a couple times in life, and he knows all the tricks. So if you guys are single, looking for a nice woman, or just looking for a nice time, church is the original Tinder. Never forget that. Bypassing that, let's get back to Issa and the Nathan dude. So one of the things I want to talk about first is Nathan ghosting Issa. Now, that's the biggest thing, right? On, you go on Twitter, you go on Facebook, everyone's talking about being ghosted. It's, one, I feel like it's harder to ghost people nowadays because of social media, right? Like, we saw Issa. She can go through Instagram, blah, blah. I, I wish it was the 90s. You know how easy it is to ghost people in the 90s? What are you going to do, beep you? Like, there's no way to track you. They can't track your every move. They can't see if, you know, you're posting, you're cutting hair, you're getting a haircut, you go into work, you think you got a fly outfit. They can't know any of these things. They can't text you. The biggest thing they can do is go by your block and wait outside and physically stalk you. Now it makes it so much easier for women um, and men at that point to keep tabs on someone. But I will tell you this, ghosting, and it's getting a bad name right now on social media. Hot take number one. Guys ghost girls, so they always have a chance to come back. And it's genius. This is the best thing about ghosting. I'm not, I can't speak for the women side of things. Uh, if there are women who listen to this, I'm sure my fiance will peep this episode and she'll let me know. But she can't act like she wasn't ghosting people long before me. She damn near ghosted me when we started. She found out my age. She thought I was too young. I had to you know, claw my way back in there and finally get uh, into her good side. But... I know men specifically, 
it's so much easier to just ghost the chick because there's that mystery and they always keep thinking about you. So instead of saying, you know what, this isn't working out or, you know, I'm kind of getting, uh, you know, just tired of this. I want to try something new or, you know what, I got like three other girls on the side. They're going to take more time. I really don't got time for you. It's not as serious as you thought. All those things are kind of finite, right? Like a girl can get closure in that. You can't come back in. She'll move on. She'll keep it going. She'll find the next guy. She kind of thinks you're an asshole, blah, blah, blah. When you just ghost someone, there's no explanation. She's wondering, like we saw in Insecure, is it me? Is it something I did? Did I do? Did I tell him too much? Did I chase him away? Did I get too clingy? And then that leaves the opening for a guy or maybe for a girl too. Um, I've been ghosted before, but it never really like bothered me. Like it was like, thank God, I don't got to break up with her or I don't got to tell her that I don't want to see her anymore. She went about her way. She stopped hitting me up. Perfect. On to the next. Um, for, for guys though, when you ghost a chick, it's for the simple fact of you don't want an explanation. You don't want her to know why. And that's because, you know what, if you're bored six months from then and you see her Instagram and she's in the club and she's looking a little bit better and you send her like the, what you doing? Just W-I-D, text mad late at night. And she's like, I haven't seen you in six months. Oh, I got busy. I was at work. Or you know what? I had family stuff I really had to take care of. I'm sorry for just disappearing for a second. I was going through a lot. And then the girl says, oh, I'm sorry. No problem. It's okay. How is that going? Well, you know what? It's getting a little bit better. Now I got a new job. Or, you know, I started doing this and I'm moving forward. Oh, that's so good. Hey, how have you been at work? How's your life? Still doing this? And then boom, you're right back in there. Another three or four week cycle. You guys are hooking up. You guys are having fun. And then you get tired of her again and you ghost her again. And she's like, damn it, he got me again. And that is the cycle. And that's why guys do it. So ghosting works. Don't go on social media. Don't think that it's a bad thing. Take it from me. It works. There's nothing wrong with using it. Women, if you want to use the same thing, I, I thought you guys just ghosted guys because you were tired of them. You know, there was no there was no hope of a of a comeback after that. Um, I to me, when women ghost guys, you're ghosted forever. You just see her with the next dude two weeks later on Instagram. Like, damn, she got into this new relationship quick. And you're like, all right, well, peace and blessings to her. Wish them all the best. Um, I got a friend, and this happened to me several times, where a chick would ghost me, like, purposely, because I'd just start kind of ignoring her and force her to ghost me. And then next thing you know, she's engaged, like, six months after. And it's it's like, oh, well, ain't that something? It's like that one movie where, like, he was the lucky charm and chicks kept getting married. I got a friend who's a habitual person like that. He dumps a girl. She's engaged three months after. Like, she finds the man of her life. So, you know what? Ghosting works. Women do it to move on, to try to find the next guy who put a ring on it. Guys do it. Because they're tired of women, but they kind of want to come back just in case. If you need a fallback plan, maybe, you know, it's cuffing season. You got to cut all your chicks off. But when cuffing season's over, you got to get that roster back on. Just play with reasons. Ghosting is the bond that that creates. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it works out on Insecure. A lot of people think the Nathan dude is married. People think he got locked up because of his charges. Uh, you know, offering dude the fade and the lift when Issa was driving. Who knows? Maybe he just, you know what, didn't really want to be bothered by her anymore. We'll see how that plays out. The other end of the spectrum is Issa cyber-stalking. I feel like stalking has always been around, right? I don't want to treat this like a new a new concept. 
But the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter stalking, yo, how can you post? You don't respond to my texts. I feel like this is like the past 10 years type of development, right? Like maybe since MySpace, I don't, I wasn't on Black Planet. I wasn't old enough. Um, I mean, I, you guys let me know. Was Could you Black Planet stalk somebody? I, I'm, I'm not sure how that works, but I'm gonna give it like a 10 year window. So like 2007 through now, 10, 11 years, I, I feel like it's become like commonplace and just hot to do. Hot take number two, ladies, it's not cool to stalk a guy. On the other hand, guys, it's perfectly fine to cyber stalk your ex-girlfriend. Yes, it's a double standard. I sound horrible. As long as you don't reach out as a man, you need that to get over your ex. Like I, I understand it from your point. Like if a guy, you, you go through a real breakup, that's how you know it's a real breakup because you're checking our Instagram like every two to three hours for clues. Because you know why? Women will always leave clues. There's no post that is just a normal post after a breakup. If she's smiling, it's because she wants you to see her smiling. If she's out with a group of girls, she wants you to know that she can fill those times at night where you used to be there. If for any reason there's another guy in the picture, you got to take that, you got to see it, and you got to go about your business and make sure you get three or four girls to help you get over that because it's heartbreaking. But girls do everything, everything for a reason. So if, if there's a guy's shoe randomly placed in the photo or if his jacket's on the table or you know if she has two drinks on a dinner table and two sets of food, two plates at a restaurant, she's talking about, look at this delicious caprice salad. No, she's trying to tell you, like, hmm, someone else is spending dough to take me out. You done messed up. So, guys, it's okay to keep tabs because, you know what, as men, we just need that motivation. We don't go the extra step. You don't have to hit them up. You don't have to create a fake profile like Issa does and, and try to be like, yo, what's up, we met here. No, you just want enough you need to keep enough tabs on them to motivate you to do your dirt and to get back into your just just heinous ways as a man you get back and it gives you that fuel it's like losing the super bowl when you get super close and it's right there and the lombardi trophies in your grasp every now and then you got to see nick Foles hold up that trophy baby you got to you got to see the philly special replayed a thousand times that's what it is when you check your girl's Instagram. You don't, you don't want to go. You don't want to relive that game. You're not going to go and, and talk about them publicly. You just need those constant reminders so you get back on the grind. So the next time you get to that Super Bowl. But in the meantime, there's a whole lot of practice. And it motivates you through those dog days of August. That's an analogy. Make That's a great comparison. So guys, don't, don't feel bad. I understand how it works. Women... You guys can't do it because you don't do shit in moderation. I don't do much in moderation either. But women take it to a whole nother level. You try to cyberstalk like Issa did. You try to talk yourself out of, you know what? I'm okay. I'm fine. And the next thing you know, you end up at the guy's crib looking through his boxer briefs, trying to see if there's anything in there and trying to hack into his laptop. Women always go with a little bit of extra mile. I'm not knocking you guys. This is what makes you great. When you love a man, you go the extra mile. When you got to hold them down, you hold them all the way down. When it's our birthdays, you guys go, you move mountains to do the dopest shit to make our birthday worth it. Even if we don't care about our birthday. You guys will sit through four to five hours of New Japan wrestling. 
and try to pronounce shit like Minoru Suzuki or Okada or Naito. You would do everything. You learn Japanese wrestling names for us. So you always do the little extra something. But when it comes to stalking, this is why you guys can't do it. Because there's always the extra something. There's always, yo, calling up your girlfriend. You know what? You hit him up, see if he bites, see if he's dating again, see if he's into you. And if the guy actually responds, like, see, I knew he was wrong the whole time. He's over me. He was cheating on me. But you always take stuff the extra mile. It can't just be motivation. It has to be revenge and retaliation. And that is the problem. So women, we gotta, you guys can't cyberstalk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's, it's a healing process for many, mostly men, because we do it the right way. And if you're a guy and you're doing it the wrong way, please stop that. It is out of character. You're giving us all a, back, a bad name. Don't, don't do it. It's a black eye to the sport of dating. Please do, do not act wild. See something on your chick's page and then just pop up at a crib. Not saying that I haven't done it. I'm telling you, be better than me. So, cyber stalking the right way is great for men. Women, you guys take everything too far. There's no moderation. It, shit goes left. Like, as soon as a guy pops up and you in a club and you're just having some drinks with your boys, popping a bottle, trying to get over it, they're trying to look out for you, and there's a rando just on your shoulder, damn near licking your ear, looking super wasted, and you decide to snap that selfie and put it on the gram, no that your ex chick will be in front of your crib, 5 a.m., not even tomorrow. She ain't gonna wait for you to go to work and come home. She will be there by the time you get back from the club. She will be at the crib to make sure you get there alone. Don't let that other chick be with you. Please, just be smart in that. But even if you are alone, she will be there just to verbally whoop your ass when you get home. She will throw every name in the book at you Whatever it takes, she will act like you guys are still together. And then the next day, want nothing to do with you. So please, guys, remember this. Women, cyberstalking ain't for you. You're too beautiful, Ma. Keep it moving. There's plenty of other guys. You know what? Open those DMs. Give, give a youngster a shot. Don't block those blessings. Don't worry about it. Move on to the next. No need to cyberstalk and take it to the next level. Trust me, there's way too much of that. Um, so that's what I, I garnered from Insecure. Two hot takes so far. Just, just throwing them out there. Uh, my next one, and this comes from Kanye. So Kanye, uh, my Twitter mentions, because I responded to a BSO um, post on Twitter. And I was like, yo, Kanye really needs help. The, these are cries for help. People are like, oh, why? Because he's defending his woman? Oh, because he loves his woman? He's walking through the streets of Chicago. Leave him alone. Like, yo, be so quick, people forget. He was just MAGA Kanye three weeks ago. Now he's back in Chicago, he gives a little money, he wants to be in the streets, he wants to move back, he wants to drop a sequel to the College Dropout series. And people are like, oh, leave Kanye alone. Like, no, Kanye can't be black one day and not black the next. You can't be down for the movement one day and then not down the next. Um, I got a hot take for that coming up later, though, so I'm, I'll, I'll work my way into that one. But here I want to focus on his rant about Kim K and going after people and saying, you know what, you guys slept with my girlfriend. I didn't, I didn't read this shit. It was like on TMZ. I, I don't have time for that. I'd rather play Spider-Man on PS4. But I saw the headlines. So I'm guilty of being like the people I hate that read my articles and never click into them. But the headline was enough for me to see. Kanye was talking about Kim, her history with guys, and guys being insensitive to the fact. Listen, he dated a woman with a porn tape. 
Like she she is for all purposes a porn star. Um, she does way more, but she is also a star in porn. Any any site you want to go to, I mean, her celeb tape is is the biggest of all time. So Kanye has to know this. He has to be okay with this. No different than when he was with Amber Rose. She was a stripper, and she's very open about her sexuality. And also, so I feel like Kanye has a type in that. Like you you don't when you really don't care what your girl did before you, you need to always not care what your girl did before you, and, and not go after the men she did shit before she did shit with before you. So his rant just came out like very random to me. He's just reaching in the air and, and trying to get this new character over the family man, the, the pro-black, all this stuff. And he was reaching, but it made me think. And this is where hot take number three comes from. Just fuego right here. I'll go out on a limb and people think I'm crazy. And I'll explain this title after it. But I will say... Hoes make the best housewives. Feel me out. It's, it's, just a, it's just a play on words, right? Because people say you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. I, I don't necessarily like the term hoe, so I'm going to dig into that. But I would say hoes make the best housewives. And I don't say hoe in a bad way. And I would say the equivalent for men. Hoes make the best house husbands. I, I don't know if that's a term, but I think it, it relates. So, oddly enough... Some of the people with the healthiest relationships I know, some of the the people just observing life and culture, and when you get into a relationship, and myself, knowing my personal story and my journey, that, you know what, you got to experience shit in life before you really get into that good relationship, because you got to know who you are. You got to know who you are mentally, relationship-wise, sexually, all this shit, while you're in the relationship, getting into the relationship. It's so hard to, to be a blank slate, go in, and then develop all of this with a, with someone else. There's always that curiosity. There's always, what am I missing? Do you know? Like, you you have to kind of get your balance. Not everyone, there's no one, there's only few Kurt Angles, right? You're taking him off the street and throw him into the ring. He's a natural. Some people need the Indies. You know, Seth Rollins needed ROH. Ricochet needed the Indies. He couldn't be 140 pounds and throw it into the WWE ring. It takes time. You need the indies. You need NXT. You need WWE. That's what it is and why I say hoes make the best housewives slash house husbands. Because you know what? You need these practice reps. You need to get it right. You need to find your balance. You need to learn your spots in, as a wrestling term. And to me, Kanye, and one thing I can't knock him on, is you know what? Kim Kardashian seems like a down-ass wife. She, I mean, personality traits aside, or beliefs, what they do, blah, blah, she seems to ride hard as hell for her family and for her husband. And you know what? They seem very open about what they like, what they don't like. He can speak about it on songs. They could be wild. Because you know what? Who cares? Her public might, or her past might be a little more public than a lot of other people's. People might know what she likes sexually a lot more than other people. But you know what? I bet you sexually she's a hundred times better now than she was on the Ray J tape. Because she was learning. Those other dudes were just practice. Take it from Drake. Drake won't lead you wrong. That, that, that's what it is. And, and you know what? Men who are hoes and people be like, oh my God, he's with a different girl every week, blah, blah, blah. He was a player. He's a pimp. You look, guys who are hoes at 25, players, pimps, all this stuff, got girls, blah, 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 doing girls dirty. At 35, they got three kids, a marriage. They chilling. Their wife and them are on vacation. They're on a boat. They're going to France and Europe. And you be like, yo, that guy's the utmost family man now? And girls be like, no, he's still a dog. Blah, blah. No. Y'all were just practice. Y'all helped him get there. 
Because he's tired of doing all that shit. And he's happy to be where he is now. But only because those years of practice. And you know what? I think the same goes for women. Like, I was married at, what? I was married at 21, got with that person at 16. We had three kids. I was divorced by 25. And to think of who I was in that marriage is a completely different person than who I am today. And that's no fault of hers, no fault of my own. But we we grew up experiencing stuff together and never got to really be ourselves. We were always being who the other person wanted in all aspects of the relationship. So when I got out of it, I was able to move around and talk to other girls, do other things, go on dates, not want to go on dates, learn how to break up with people, learn that a lot of women were just annoying as hell. And then I didn't want to be around them at all. I, I took, you know, the lumps. I took the bumps that it takes to become a good boyfriend. And you know what? When I met my fiance, I was like, cool. And then I took lumps in that relationship. And then when I was like, you know what? I, I really want this and I recommit it. I couldn't have done any of that without what I went through. And I feel like the women's angle is the same. Like my fiance, I, I love that she has gone through everything in her life prior to me and we can just grow together from there. And with with Kim Kardashian, it's like, yeah, so what? So you've had five long-standing relationships. They've been very public. You smash all those guys. So what? Amber Rose, she smash a different dude every day. Is that going to stop you from dating Amber Rose? Like to me... Even when she's been in relationships, she's been down for the cause in her relationships. So I would say, in an endearing fashion, hoes make the best housewives. Because the women who don't experience anything, the men who don't experience anything, you got to show them everything and teach them everything. And they're only there to acquiesce to you and they bring nothing to the table. That's whack. And that doesn't succeed. Or very rarely, I would say. Some people that works for so some people, you know, you never have to live with the person before you get married. You just get thrown in a situation, boom, you're happy. I don't know. I can't speak on that. The journey of the people I know and myself, the up and down times, the experience, the five failed relationships make the one relationship better. So if a girl, you know, wants to hook up with 100 guys, 120 guys, whatever it may be, do you, mama, be safe. Do you, because you know what? You're bringing all those skills into the relationship, the do's and don'ts, the wants, the, the hate, the, everything you need, you're bringing it into the relationship that's eventually going to matter. So who cares? Who cares if you strike out all playoffs in baseball, if you hit the ninth inning walk-off grand slam to end it in game seven? And that's all it is. Take as many swings as you want, ma. It, it's, it's all good. Because male and female hoes make the best housewives and best house husbands. Fuego take. That's three. On to the next one. Um, talking about Kanye, I wanted to, to kind of round back to that Chi-Town rebrand that Kanye is doing. Oh, man. This brings us back to the point. Shout out to Emilio Sparks and Russell Rap that is so, so real. Everything in this world is pro wrestling. Everything. Everything's heels, faces, everything's booking. Damn near everything's a work. And with this Kanye... Chi-Town rebrand, it ain't nothing but a work. Like, I watch it in the past three weeks, and I look, and hot take number four, by the way, this shit is nothing but a WWE scripted face turn. We've seen this every week. As a wrestling fan, if you guys aren't wrestling fans, I'll let you know, this happens all the time. And it's classic Vince McMahon. 
So Kanye went from, oh, I'm backpack Kanye and George Bush hates black people to, you know what? I'm whacked out a little bit. I'm in the Kardashian mindset. People hate me for dating a Kardashian. You know, uh, my mom is gone. People hate my music. It's changing, blah, blah, blah. I'm not necessarily like myself. All my friends have alienated me. So he was like, you know what? I'm going full heel. Shout out to Donald Trump, MAGA Kanye, blah, blah, blah. He went full heel and he embraced it. But you know where you go after you go full heel? You go back to what made you a baby face. And that's all Kanye's doing. He's not finding a new way to endear himself to people. He's just reverting to his original baby face character. He was like, you know what? I'm tired of being a heel. I don't have that much heat right now. I, I need a change for this new album. He's like, I'm going to revert right back to all my babyface characteristics. So I'm going to be Chicagoed out. I'm going to go back. You're going to see me walk in the streets. I'm going to talk about opening something there. You know, me, me and my wife are going to publicly talk about good relationships and all this. He's endearing himself to the people who loved him as a babyface. He ain't doing shit that the Big Show hasn't done eight times in a year. You, you go, you know what works. He built a heel character, and then now it's time for the next turn. And he needs another, he needs another baby face run. That That's just what it is. You can't be a heel forever. Hey, now and then you got to flip back to face, you know, pull a Seth Rollins. And then you know what? Everyone knows you're better as a heel. So when it happens again, everyone's not going to be surprised. And Kanye is better as a face. So he went, he did his little heel turn. And it was like, yeah, you know what? I sell more units and I probably sell more shoes being a face because my core audience to this day is still black people. So if I want people to buy $250 shoes, Yeezy sneakers, I'm probably not going to target the MAGA audience because they'll probably just buy some New Balance. You know what? Let me go back to the people who actually do sneaker campouts, who actually click every weekend and wait for these kicks. Let me go back to the people who genuinely love hip-hop. So how do I do that? What made me endearing to them in the first place? Ah, I got it. Hometown kid from Chicago, helping the youth, inner city, blah, blah, blah. All right, bring on the face turn. That's all it is. It's, it's Vince McMahon classic WWE scripted. So when people jumped on me and said, oh, how could you talk about Kanye? Leave him alone. He's trying to better himself. Eh, I've seen this shit before. Don't believe everything you read or see, people. It's all scripted. It's all a work. And if being a wrestling fan has made me anything, it's made me very, very keen on spotting a work. And that's what this is. So you know what, Kanye? Uh, the hell with Kanye. He showed his true colors. He's whatever he has to be to sell. To sell records, to sell shoes, to do whatever. So Kanye is off the radar. Um, you know what? It... It wasn't even the greatest face turn. He could have done it better. It's like sloppy face turn. It's very WWE product. There wasn't like an NXT build to it. It didn't make any sense. It would have been better if he would have, you know, said, you know what? Trump, you've pushed me over the ledge with this one thing. I'm revolting against you. Let me take back. He, he didn't really have that, that other person to play the face turn off of, right? It's kind of like the Braun Strowman heel turn where it just didn't work because there was no logical reason and no one really to play it off of. Like the, the Becky Lynch heel turn, like why? Why is Charlotte doing the face turn? Like it was a weird double turn. Kanye had no one to turn off of. Like if you're going to use Trump to fuel your heel turn, and this is wrestling 101, so whoever gets you into being a heel 
has to be the reason eventually why you turn back into a face. You, you always got to hit them with the chair, right? You, you always got to snap out of it. Like they tricked you. Kanye missed that key part. So it was very sloppy WWE main roster style booking instead of like a New Japan smart build. He, he didn't do that. He just went straight for the gusto. Yeah, some people are falling for it. I think it could have been booked better. But what do I know? We're listening to a wrestling podcast, right? So maybe I'm too harsh of a critic. The casuals would love it. Um, speaking about Trump, uh, I don't want to talk about too much about Trump because you know what? He, he was just in Vegas, though. So I figured, you know, I got to throw a Trump hot take in there. So a minor hot take, a lukewarm take. But watching Trump here and watching, you know, just he came here for a rally, a MAGA rally. I had to cover it at work at the station. Um, I was off that day, but I had to set up stuff for it and cue it on social media. And while doing so, you know, you got to watch some of the crowds at the other rallies and kind of prep for it or whatever. And it got me thinking. And a minor hot take here. Trump supporters and the people who go to these rallies are probably just the same people who love Stone Cold Steve Austin in the 90s. You look at the two crowds and you tell me you couldn't replace just just Photoshop. All the MAGA shirts into Austin 316 shirts and take Trump out behind the podium and put Steve Austin with a with a beer hat on and a couple Steve Weisers right there behind the podium on that stage. And you wouldn't think that shit was 1998 raw. You couldn't tell me any different. Go back and look at those 1998 matches. They're on the network. Look at those WWE raw segments. Really look, listen, we, there's no lie like you know this is a podcast a lot of black wrestling fans listen to this a lot of minority wrestling fans listen to this a lot of wrestling fans in general but and we all love stone cold right and you're at the point where you can't dislike stone cold but you look at the audiences at raw and you look at the fan base he was able to turn to support him it was a lot of these working class middle class blue collar white people who attached to him because he was their type of guy that's the same audience Trump went after. That's the same audience he won with. Look at those crowds. See the people who lost their shit and popped insane off of the glass breaking for 316. Look at who bought the merch. Look at the shirts. And tell me if they look like me and you. Or if they look like the people behind Trump at these rallies. And that's not to say anyone's wrong. I'm saying Trump stole Stone Cold's whole swag. MAGA is nothing but Austin 316. He took the merch deals. He, he took his whole core audience. He took the entire thing that made Stone Cold great in Attitude Era, applied that shit to a presidency, and won. Incredible. So I'm watching that rally, and like I'm doing research for him. I'm like, yo, this shit is, and the crowds are just as hot. It's so crazy. Trump's crowds are, are hot. They're like Austin crowds in 97. I was like, this, this guy is on to something. That shit is wild. And he's a WWE Hall of Famer for a reason. So you look at Trump, man, it, it's very similar to the Austin push. Now we all know, Austin Austin was hot. Austin was captivating. Austin had about three years on top, maybe four, due to injuries and other shit. Trump is a, is a little shaky right now. Not due to injuries, but due to investigations and so on and so forth. So you know what? Trump might be hot. It might be short-lived. Dre might be right. It could go eight. I'm giving him the Steve Austin four. When you emulate your whole your whole style, your whole swag off of a particular wrestler, I'm just going to follow the character arc of that wrestler. 
and say, you know what, Trump probably got a strong four. And Trump is still going Steve Austin-esque in his push. So it's crazy. That's one thing I thought. Um, man, so that covers kind of what I was doing at work this week and my hot takes based on that. Um, no, actually, one more thing. I forgot. One other thing I had to report at work, which has kind of jumped into my mind, Bill Cosby might go to jail. <coughs> and by the time, depending on when you listen to this, probably before Friday, we'll know if he'll go to jail, prison, whatever it may be. Um, they're trying to, you know, make sure he doesn't. They're claiming like old age and he's fragile, too fragile to go away. So we'll see. But I want to bring up a hot take that I said way back on this podcast, way back when these allegations first came out. And that I don't fuck with the Cosby show at all. Not in the least bit. Like it was never for me. I really like a different world. Um, I, I just never mess with the Cosby show. Like, and it's, you know, for a New York kid and, and seeing a kid in a brownstone and two, uh, I, I don't know, like two, I don't want to say a perfect family. Cause obviously that's, that's the dynamic of the show. Like you can have what you want to have, but stuff isn't perfect. Right. But just to see them and, and brownstone and you're like, no, like I, I didn't attach to it. Like it didn't grab me. There was nothing there that was necessarily relatable for me. Uh, Cliff Huxable was, was a cornball ass dude. Like I, I, I didn't see, like he was too old. He wasn't stand-up comedy Cosby, which I would actually like. He he lacked a certain realness. He was corny. He was jello pudding. Like I, I couldn't do it. So I looking back and he might go to jail and people might go, man, I was fond memories of my childhood. Nah, I really never messed with the show. No, nah, it wasn't for me. And Cosby's not even in my three top three television, like patriarch father figures and I, I decided to put together a little mini list three father figures better off top than Bill Cosby was in the Cosby show one gotta go with Uncle Phil Uncle Phil done taught a lot of people a lot of shit listen J. Cole look at this he's you know Uncle Phil is the dad I never had Will was real Will was like from the hood Uncle Phil had his own kids who were trying to be perfect but Uncle Phil knew like oh you know what I gotta attach a you know, listen, B, I'm from where you're from. Don't forget. I forgot the nickname his mom had for him. But when they went back, that, that shit was crazy. She called him by his old school nickname and all this. Stuff. Like, Uncle Phil came from where from where Will came from. Uncle Phil knew. He was like, nah, man, don't, don't play me sideways. I still got it. So I, I love that aspect. Uncle Phil's number one. Number two, I'm going to go with Mr. Winslow. Just because Mr. Winslow was hot fight. Like, him and Cosby were a little bit corny and both in their own ways but uncle phil was a cop he went through like nah i mean like come on you can't just do this you know beating up on black kids thing he was like when the other white cop racially profiled eddie he was like nah like at the end of the day i'm a black i'm a black man i'm a dad we get busy i don't care for both cops like um, man mr winslow mr winslow had it i would like to say harriet was even probably a better character maternal but we're not dealing with that we're dealing with the patriarchs of families and a father figure in some way on show. So I'll give uh, Mr. Winslow two, three, wasn't even a father, had no kids. But I swear to you, this man taught me more growing up almost than anyone. My two grandmothers and this man damn near taught me the values in life. And that is Mr. Feeney, Boy Meets World. Yes, I put Mr. Feeney above Cliff Hustable all the way. Mr. Feeney taught me life lessons to this day that I carry with me. 
I still watch Boy Meets World. So I'll put Mr. Feeney up there as my number three spot. Damn near personally my number one, but I can't jump on Phil. Mr. Feeney wasn't a dad, so it's like a cheat to put him in. But he was the father figure on that show. The parents went to Mr. Feeney. You got a problem? Mr. Feeney got you. So Mr. Feeney takes that, that third spot. I'm pretty sure I could even build out five. I just didn't have enough time to think about it. But I don't mess with Bill Cosby anyway. So you know what? If he goes to prison, and uh, shout out to everyone on Twitter who's calling him Pill Cosby. That shit's hilarious. And if someone, like one of these young whippersnapper rappers, decides that they, you know, want a creative name. I mean, I, I see like Kid Boo out there. Like if you name yourself after Dragon Ball Z character, you might as well be able to name yourself Pill Cosby. Like if you're just all about like Zanny rap and shit, what's a better name than Pill Cosby? These kids are sleeping on it. But uh, yeah, if he goes to prison, you know what? So be it. I never really fucked with him like that anyway. So that, that's my quick, last little hot take on, on Bill Cosby. Um, let's see. Let's get into some like MMA style hot takes. Let's see. Let's see. Um, McGregor. McGregor's in the cycle. So McGregor's having another kid. That came out yesterday. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this. But McGregor's having another kid. I see a lot of people saying, you know what? That's why he's coming back to fight in the UFC. He's run out of money. He, he's having a second kid. He needs to support his family. He's spending too much. That's why he's coming back to fight. FYI, kids do not cost $100 million. That's what he made in the Floyd fight. That's not how much kids cost. He'll be fine. And this brings me to my next hot take. And if you're just having children now, take it for what it's worth. Take it to heart. Because I promise you it's true. Kids aren't expensive. Parents are expensive. Hot take. And that's the truth. Like, I... My aunt had kids super late in life. Like, my aunt's kids are younger than mine. So she had kids at like 37, 39. And the shit that she did and the making stuff from scratch and all organic and this, that. Listen, it was great for health. Cool beans. She breastfed until like the babies were like three years old. Grown ass man. Full row teeth. Get them off the titty. I, I don't know. I don't understand any of that. But she bought like all this really random hype right now. This is the best stroller for safety. And we need three car seats because you're not supposed to move the car seats. Once they're installed, they got to be installed and all that. Like, come on, fam. That's just spending extra money. I will let you in on a secret. The kids will be fine with attention. There's, listen, we're here. People are in caves. People do this shit to this day in the Amazon. Like in remote huts and shanties. Where they don't have iPads, they don't have cell phones, they don't have baby Bjorns, carriers. They're still using like a fucking banana leaf papoose to carry babies around. People do all of this. They have children. They cut the cords. They feed them. These kids eat. Africa, you know, man, Middle East, Russia, like Siberia. There's still places. South America, shit. Puerto Rico at this point is reverting back to like the motherland. So, I mean, people go fine without all of these expensive, hoity-toity, fancy productions that people want to say make kids so expensive. You know what? Get some diapers. You want some formula? Get formula. You want baby food? Carrots cost 60 cents a bag. You know what? Shave those bad boys down, wash them, boil them, mash them. You got baby food for like a week. 60 cents. Like, all this shit is, is ridiculous ridiculous to think about that people say 
babies are expensive. No, people have babies all over the world. Dirt poor people have babies. And they grow up. And some of them become rich. They become famous. Look at LeBron James. He's everywhere, right? He didn't grow up rich. They put soy milk in his bottle. Like, what? He, he didn't have the fancy, you know, crib that turns into a playpen, that turns into a bed, that somehow turns into a queen size when they're 16. They, the fucking crib looks like a transformer. He didn't have none of that. He's one of the most powerful men in the world. Look at Colin Kaepernick. Nike just made like $6 billion off of Kaepernick. He was adopted. Like people, babies take attention. They take time. Babies aren't expensive. McGregor doesn't have to fight because he's having another kid. That kid will be fine. That kid would have been fine if McGregor never made it. If he wasn't in the UFC. If he had to be a plumber, electrician, whatever the hell he was. And traveling on the road every day. You know what? His father was a workman. He grew up fine. His sister grew up fine. His family made it. Kids don't take that much money. Parents do. So when you get into like all this newfangled, watching 18 Netflix documentaries, and you, you got to go like paleo and keto, and you know your kids are vegans from the age of three, God bless you. If you, if you add five years onto your life at the end, you, you did your job. But if you don't got the money and you can't, you're good. I had kids at 17, 19, and 21. That might even be off. I, yeah, 17, 19, and 21 is when I had my three children. And I was just about to turn 21. So my son wasn't even... My son was still technically when I was 20. And I was in college, and I was dead broke, and I had a football scholarship that I was paying stuff. And even when I left school, I had my son after I had left college and stopped playing football, and I was super broke. And it was just my ex-wife working. And I was trying to figure out how to get into this journalism stuff. And then going back to like a community college and shit. Guess what? My kids are fine. My oldest daughter, Malaya, I swear, put this on everything. When she was like one and she like was kind of said, all the things she would eat is freezer chicken nuggets. Those little banana puff things as a snack. And top ramen. And we'd have to make it a top ramen, pour out all the water. And we'd just put the noodles on her high chair. And she ate that almost every day when I was in college as a freshman playing football. Almost every day. She would drink whole milk out of her sippy cup and Kool-Aid. Because we didn't even have enough money to afford. Like every now and then we get like the Minute Maid jug and we thought we were balling. Outside of that, we're making Kool-Aid. Her sippy cup was stained on the inside at the plastic part at the top. Red. Because that's how much Kool-Aid she drank. Children aren't expensive. They take time. And today, my daughter Malaya is like into every sport. She's about to be like, I don't know, she's, she turns 13 here next week. And she's about like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, Never stunted her growth. She's probably going to end up being like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, she has straight A's. Hasn't gotten a B since the first grade. She cried over that B, by the way. Hasn't got one since. Straight A's. She's in 7th grade, taking 8th grade, ninth grade courses. She's straight. Off of Kool-Aid and Top Ramen. So I'm telling you, it's not expensive. All they do is take time. Um, Dre might kill me off of this because, you know, Dre, Dre Dre understands this. And he's frugal in some ways. But I can't blame him for spoiling Kennedy. She's just so cute. And she does not cry despite what he says. So if you want to spoil your kids, that's fine. But the myth of saying kids cost a lot of money and a guy like Conor McGregor has to fight because he's having another kid is ridiculous. Broke people have kids every day. They turn out just fine. Give them attention. Teach them how to read. 
teach them right from wrong, make sure they don't steal shit or end up as a stripper. You're good. Don't shoot nobody. Life lesson. That takes no money to learn. Easy. So that shit's been getting on my nerves on Twitter. So hot take. Kids aren't expensive. Parents are expensive. Um, focusing on McGregor aspect of things. So McGregor's going to fight Khabib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he wins, he loses, whatever. We'll get into that more on Friday. And on next week's episode, when we make predictions, um, I'm not here to talk about the specifics of McGregor's life or fighting career. But I will say this. Hot take. I forgot what number I'm on. I say I'm on like six or seven. So hot take number seven. McGregor boxes again, and he will box again in 2019. Regardless if he's UFC champion, whatever it may be, I think he takes some time off. I think he goes for that second payday in boxing where the UFC can't take that money away from him, where he's a true promoter, and he doesn't even have to promote or co-promote with a guy like Floyd this time. I think he's going to be a sole promoter of a pay-per-view, and that's the next step. So last time he had to co-promote with, with Floyd and need the Showtime push... This time, I think he just uses McGregor promotions and puts his own pay-per-view. Maybe he needs the UFC to help with the pay-per-view side. Maybe he goes to Showtime. Just have them host the pay-per-view side, put some boxers on the undercard. We'll see. But I think McGregor, McGregor boxes again in 2019. I think he fights Paulie Malignaggi next summer. And I, I think we get that build-up, and Malignaggi's going to talk shit. It kind of gets you know dominated by Khabib. Malignaggi will talk shit, and they'll fight. If Conor wins, Malinaji will talk shit. And Conor will say, you know what? I, I've cleared out the division. I don't know what's next. I'll wait for someone to show that they deserve me. I'm going to go and I'm going to shut this little rat up. And he's going to fight Malinaji. And I, I think he makes a good 60, 70 million off of boxing pay-per-view. I just saw Anthony Joshua make a smooth 40, 50 million on zone. It wasn't even pay-per-view. Because he packed, you know, a stadium in Europe. I just saw it not, not even too long ago. Connor make a hundred million as a B side on a pay-per-view. Canelo made money and they barely broke a million pay-per-view buys. I think Connor could do 1.5 boxing pay-per-views against Paulie Malinaji. And I might be I might be lowballing it at 1.5 mil. And I'll tell you this, Malinaji's a, a broadcaster. Those boxing paydays are a long ways away. He wasn't getting paid that much when he was boxing. You're telling me he can't give Paulie six, seven mil? That's generous. That's a lot of money. You give him six, seven mil on a pay-per-view that does 1.5 million? And you take the lion's shit, that 80-20 split, 85-15 split, something crazy? And you're telling me Connor doesn't walk away with pay-per-view points and all that stuff? And he can't make a quick 60-70 mil off of fighting Paulie Malignaggi? I think it happens. I think it's smart. I think it's the way to go. I think we see it. That's my Conor McGregor hot take. Um, let's keep moving through. UFC. Um, man, this show's getting longer than I thought. We'll wrap it up. We got a couple more. UFC uh, hot take as a whole. I was trying to find one. Couldn't focus on John Jones, blah, blah, blah. I didn't feel like it. Ran John Jones into the ground. You know what? They gave him a lenient slap on the wrist. We'll talk about that on Friday. Yeah, you saw it as a joke at this point. Um, one thing I will say, minor hot take, uh, just because I'm not sure how many people care about this as a hot take, but something I truly do feel, um, PFL, Pro Fighters League, is opening up a 155-pound women's division. Um, they have ex-Olympian, uh, judo Olympian, I'll find it here in a second. Um, she's pretty much the, the crown jewel of 
that division, um, that women's division, Kayla Harrison. So I always thought, you know, she'd have to drop down to 145, fight a Chris Cyborg. That's where she's going to eventually have to cut. But you know what? The more I think about it, 155 has the chance of being like a women's heavyweight division. 155, 165. I, I think in the next five years, in the UFC and in MMA as a whole, 155-pound women's division will be the crown jewel of any women's weight class. What the 115 is and how it's so stacked and how it's so competitive. Um, 135 has always been like, you know, the first, the easiest one to do. 145 is struggling to round out. I think 155 would be easier to build than 145, where Cyborg is. I think in the next five years, due to the excitement, maybe, you know, heavier women, bigger hands. You, you look at boxers like Clarissa Shields and all this stuff. Women with that size, with that power, they can make 155. Those, those are the type of women you need to invite into MMA. Those will give you the flash knockouts. They'll give you, you know, the, the female equivalent of Anthony Rumble Johnson. You'll see people like Harrison, like, really doing double leg takedowns, using sides, slams. There's so many women in this, in this country who wrestle as high schoolers, collegiates. Those women will be able to find a division. You know, we get big power, big slams. It, it, it take you back to those fields of, like, 2000 to 2005, you know, Pride, UFC, all this stuff. Even later, you know, on with the Strike Force stuff, with the heavyweight Grand Prix and all this. It'll give you that feel, but with women. There will be strong women knocking people the hell out. I think 155 in the next five years becomes the most exciting division in women's MMA. And I think PFL is just the first one to try it, and I think it's going to catch on and catch fire. And they already have a face in Kayla Harrison. That's what it took, right? Rousey was the face of 135. They built it. Cyborg is the face of 145. They built it. Kayla Harrison could be the face of 155. The UFC finally jumps on board. You get Cyborg as a champion on 145. And aging, or not aging, but a little older Cyborg, 34, 35, going up against the Kayla Harrison. And you get that at 155, champion versus champion. Because I don't think Nunez beat Cyborg. I don't think anyone beats Cyborg within the next three years. I could be wrong. It's MMA. Weird shit happens. But I, I think if you get that three years from now, two and a half years from now, I think that's one hell of a fight. And I think 155 is the real division. I think that would be an exciting division for women's MMA. Um, moving on to the next thing. See, boxing. Kind of touched on the Connor thing. Joshua Wilder has to happen. That's not a hot take. I've written down. But that's just a sensible take. After, if Wilder beats Fury, there's nothing left. I don't want to see neither of these guys take another fight. They better fight each other, make it happen. I don't care what the split has to be. I don't care if it's in London because I'll just sneak into Andres' suitcase and ride over there for free. The hell with customs. But I'm not missing that fight, even if I have to go to London. I'll tell Dre, like, listen, man, I know you got a hotel room. I'm just going to crash on the floor. I ain't paying for one. You, got, you just got to do me a solid. But I would be there. I don't care where this fight is, Vegas, wherever it may be, L.A., I would be at that fight, but there's no other fight to make in the heavyweight division. Because you know what? We're going to have to see these guys fight two or three times. No time like the present. So that's not even a hot take. That's just real. Um, let's get into these wrestling hot takes. So uh, I'll start off here. And this is from watching WWE the past couple weeks and all these stupid pay-per-views that aren't pay-per-views and house shows and Saudi Arabia and Women's Evolution just throwing them bone because they can't go to Saudi Arabia. And then you have, um, what, a show in Australia that they're televising, plus their normal pay-per-views. is getting a bit ridiculous. But watching Undertaker, Triple H build up the main event, watching John Cena just being thrown into a feud, 
All this ridiculous. It got me thinking. First wrestling hot take. Anyone on the main roster pre-2010 can get the hell out of here. I'll make one exception for Daniel Bryan because I'm not exactly sure the year he debuted. Because if he came in in 2009, he got to stay. But if he came in in 2010, 2011, everyone else get the hell out of here. Orton gone. Uh, Titus O'Neil, I think he was there. Gone. You keep Kofi. I, I, I give it three people exactly. Give me Kofi. Give me Miz. Ah, that's about it. I don't care. Everyone else can go. Shit happens. We need major roster turnover. I'm tired of Brock Lesnar's getting main event pushes. I'm tired of seeing Kane. He's a, he's a mayor now or whatever the governor, whatever. The, let him go. Taker's 80 million years old. Let him go. I understand you got to secure the bag overseas and they might not know Finn Balor. They may not know Samoa Joe. But you know what? They're going to pay just because it says WWE on the marquee. You feed them whoever you got to feed them. If Roman Reigns is the big dog, you market him. But the fact that your top guy in Roman Reigns can't sell overseas, so you have to bring back Triple H or Undertaker as a main event, is laughable. That maybe your top guy isn't a top guy. If you got to keep finding ways to finagle him to sell tickets and to pack shows and to get you your money. Maybe you want to put someone else as your top guy who can do it and you can create the next stars. So when Undertaker's 65, you don't have to parade him down the ring. Maybe you create the next Undertaker. Maybe you know what? You actually keep Bray Wyatt as Bray Wyatt and put him over on some people. And you would have had another Undertaker already. Maybe someone passes the torch. So that shit's ridiculous. I'm, I'm tired. 2010 and before, we get a couple exemptions, but for the most part, get them the hell out of here. Aside from them, go. I, I'm tired of the old people on the roster. Um, that's a hot take you guys are probably agree with because that's not it's, it's not something just out of the blue it's popular opinion but i still say it that shit bothers me um let's go to new japan hot take and this is something people won't agree with because i'm think i'm one of the very few who thinks this but kenny omega and the young bucks are great all in was amazing what they're doing uh you know the roh new japan super show is gonna be great all that is quality wrestling i love how new japan books the, the quality of it is great wwe messes up so much shit but in the end, my hot take, they have to go to WWE if they want to be all-time greats. If they want to solidify their legacy, you have to go to WWE. And I'll tell you why. And it's what's going to make AJ Styles even that much better throughout the history of pro wrestling. And when it's all said and done, we can remember Okada. We can remember these great matches. But when people put together the top 10 lists, when they put together the top 5 all-time lists, AJ Styles will move up way before Kenny Omega. Even though Kenny Omega is a five-star match machine now. Way ahead of Okada. Way ahead of all these guys. Because you know what? They're niche. We're niche. This podcast is niche. Sometimes you got to be a little bit mainstream. You don't got to change who you are, but you got to get into public opinion. And in the end of the day, kids drive pro wrestling. You, you're remembered through time because you relate to the kids everywhere. On a main platform, and they'll keep you around forever. Ric Flair, we get Ric Flair drip now. Not yet, and it's cool. We did the the NFL pregame celebration with Ric Flair. You having trouble holding these alligators down yet? Yeah. All that because people went back and watched those days. Would people have watched those promos if Ric Flair wasn't in WWE and WCW? No, because you need that. You need that, and then people will go back and look at your entire catalog. So now AJ Styles, people go back and watch some TNA. 
People go back and watch ROH. People go and watch his run in New Japan. And kids know who AJ Styles is. So when us old schmoes, smarks, get up to be 60 or 70s, and we're not cool, and no one wants to listen to us, because we're just old men reminiscing about the glory days of New Japan, how it was so much better. They're going to say, you know what? When I was four, five, and six, I was watching AJ Styles. I was watching Roman Reigns. I was watching Finn Balor. And these guys would be the guys remembered way longer. And as great as Omega is, as great as the Young Bucks are, arguably one of the best tag teams, these kids, they're not going to remember that. There's going to be no Young Bucks songs. There's going to be like, all that stuff, it will fade much quicker because it's New Japan, because it's off the radar. It's great to us. There's still so many adult, and I would say adult weekly viewers, hardcore viewers of the WWE product that have no clue what New Japan is. So many of them. They know AJ Styles kind of came from there. They know people mentioned Japan. But they don't really know what the promotion is. They don't watch matches there. People are surprised by the NXT products. Oh, we're this guy. Oh, okay, from somewhere else. All right. But they they now know people from NXT. Oh, Shinsuke Nakamura? Yeah, he was NXT champion. Excuse me? I know Nak from fucking Tokyo Dome. Like, how, like you... Like, oh, yeah, he's NXT champion. Like, that's Nak's history to a lot of the fan base. So come to WWE, regardless how they book you, being seen, get your entire portfolio before then notice. And for Omega and Young Bucks to get to do as what they really are and what they're really doing, they got to come to WWE. The Dudley Boys, ECW was great. Those ladder matches in WWE really set them up there. The WWE run, whatever you think of it, really put them up there for the greatest tag team of all time conversation. No different than the Hardys. TNA Hardys are some of the best Hardys ever. But their WWE run is really what pushes people to see it. So the Young Bucks, one of the best tag teams ever already. There's a case to make it, make them the best tag team, period, in history if you want to make it. But if you don't do it on the biggest level, did it really happen? You'd be the best college quarterback ever. If you don't get drafted to the NFL, your story's short. You go play in Canada, you'd be Doug Flutie. Like, but even Flutie need the NFL, baby. Like, you, sooner or later, you got to do it on a big time. That's how people remember you. So Omega and the Young Bucks need WWE. They don't need the money. They don't got to go for the money. They're making money. They're making merch. They're handle fists. They're popular. But you know what? They're going to cap out. There's going to be a, a reach to, you know what? I, I can stay here and I can be a booker and I can build this and I can build a bigger indie. But at the end of the day, if you want to be the man, you, you got to go to one place. And it, it sucks. Sometimes people don't like the NFL. They don't like the model. No guarantee contract. They're, they're thinking people being sissies. Quarterbacks are getting hit. There's too many flags, blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to go to arena football just because you're taking a stance on the product. You still got to go to the NFL. You still got to go there if you want to be an all-time great and make a name for yourself. And that's what the WWE still is. So without that, their, their legacy is going to be incomplete. And we'll remember them forever. The, these kids and the people who matter, the people who create a legacy... The, the All of us who are smarts today, you know what? There were great New Japan matches in the 80s and 90s. We love Bret Hart. We love Shawn Michaels. We love Taker. We love Flair. People love Macho. People love Dusty. Great independent work from a lot of those guys. We would love them because of the WWE, because of the WCW, because of those promos, because of those characters. We love them since we were little, and their name continues to go on. 
They get documentaries. They get songs. They get all this clout. HBK is still the number one wrestler ever in my mind because I live that. Stone Cold was elevated because he was in the WWE. These guys need it. It's still the place where you have to go to put yourself on that pantheon, the greatest of all time. And that's just legacy, legacy standpoint. If they don't want to be, that's their prerogative. But if they want to be the best tag team ever, if Kenny Omega wants to be one of the top five wrestlers ever, you're going to be Mr. Five Star on the WWE roster and make them change. Um, last hot take, because this show's going on way too long. Um, in the next two years, I think NXT lands a major network deal. It's probably this year. I think they go to FS1 on Wednesdays. Um, and in the next two years, their numbers outperform both Raw and SmackDown. I say NXT becomes the A brand within the next two years. And that's what SmackDown going to Fridays on Fox and understand the WWE and their mindset will still push those as bigger. Numbers, I think NXT outdraws them all. I, I think NXT on Wednesdays on more televisions, not just on no network, with Raw pushing to them on Monday nights and Friday nights on Fox recapping what happened the week before on, or the few days before on NXT, being sandwiched between those two. With the match quality, with the roster, the ricochets, the, oh man, the ricochets, you look at the Adam Coles, you know, if it happens while these guys are still there, you look at the Keith Lees, the Matt Riddles, um, Velveteen Dream was still 23, 24, you, you look at that roster, you look at the crazy amount of talent that they have right now, and I, I think you find it hard to say that NXT wouldn't blow out these other two guys weekly. I, I think NXT does numbers in the twos for an hour show. Now, accumulation of numbers, no, Raw's three hours, they'll probably get more views overall. Fox show will probably be two, they get more views overall. One hour on FS1, I think, becomes appointment television and it stretches and we really get to see how many of these network viewers, how many people really tune in. The real numbers will be there. And I and I think they do, they do way better numbers than. SmackDown does right now. And I think they get close to Raw numbers, which is like two a week. I think Raw does like 2.2, 2.3 now. I think NXT goes 2.1 for an hour. And even with hour content, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do 2.3, 2.4. Because it's such a short period of time. So easy to get roped into that, to focus in, watch it, and bounce. Wednesdays, no competition. Wednesdays are a quiet night in television. Fridays, people are trying to go out to try to have fun. It's their weekend. Going to be hard. At least a little harder for SmackDown. You look at Monday nights. Monday night, you have football for half of the year. On the other half, you have basketball games. You have all of these things to compete with on Mondays. A lot of holidays are on Mondays. Labor Day, Memorial Day. All these things, a lot of them fall on Mondays. That's going to be tough. There's no competition on Wednesdays. I think NXT, two years, major TV deal doing some of the best numbers, if not the best numbers in the company. And, and I think Triple H takes that and says, Vince, look, shit has to change. Not that it will. Shit won't change till Vince dies. But I, I think numbers don't lie. And I think NXT gets to that level. We've seen NXT grow from house shows, no pay-per-views, no nothing. In this small time, NXT has become huge. Touring brand, sold-out shows, in the same venues WWE performs at. All of these things, I think that's the next evolution of NXT. They become a true third brand on television and overtake even some of these other established brands because that's their growth pattern. They're skyrocketing WWE's plateauing, main roster-wise. So that's my last hot take. That's my prediction. 
This show has gone on stupid long, and it's just been me talking to you. No co-host, no nothing, just venting. I wanted to give you guys this extra show because we missed one last week. So I hope you guys enjoyed this mini episode. You'll get a full episode with me, Oh Man Andreas, on Friday. Thank you guys for listening. Um, trying to put a lot of stuff in motion. You know, trying to get this podcast to another level in ourselves. So with that being said, merch game coming soon. Hoodies for the winter. T-shirts for the winter. Uh, probably tank tops because my fiance likes tank tops. Tank tops for the women. At least not. At least women's cuts on T-shirts. All you guys want to merch. Give me, I'd say, a month. And we out here. We'll be rocking your Corner Club merch coming through for the winter. Um, hit me up on Instagram, all this stuff. If you guys want to reach out, at Kel Dansby. Hit up Old Man Andres, who isn't here today, but still follow him, at Andres Hill on all platforms. Follow the show at The Corner LSN. We'll see you guys in a couple of days on Friday. Make sure you guys tune in for that show. It's going to be great. Two weeks of recapping. Plus, I'm sure some other shit will happen in pop culture. Thanks for listening to my hot takes. Till next time, I'm out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.